1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, begin in verse 17, a familiar passage of Scripture. We look at it uh, many times as we're having uh, the Lord's Supper. As we uh, observe this ordinance, uh, I'm always interested in looking at the significance of what we do and why we do it, uh, because it's important for us to know why we observe this ordinance and its accomplishments, what it can accomplish in our lives and in our church. And we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. It's the same church we looked at this morning. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth after being away for a couple of years, checking up on them, telling them, of course, how he's heard how they're doing and some things need to be addressed. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I in part believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry, another drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you, for I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the church. We thank you that you have placed us in this church, and you've placed this church in this community. Help us to see the purposes that you have for us in your plan, and help us to find our place in your plan. And Father, as we leave here, we ask that you would just redirect our focus, redirect our focus on the things that really matter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Paul starts off with uh, this uh, passage of Scripture. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now, this morning, if you remember, in chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, he had a lot of good things to say about this church. And all those things were true. And you have to say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is, is this the same church? The same church that he was talking to earlier? And now, how can it be? Isn't this kind of contradictory that the same church he was talking to earlier, talking about their giftedness and talking about their trust and talking about, you know, their, their ability to to communicate their testimony to the town of Corinth. What's going on here? Well, here's an important truth that we need to remember. The important truth is this. Even a strong church will experience some issues from time to time. And why is that? 
Because even the strongest church is populated with people. And people have their issues. You know, we have imperfections. Everybody in here, we all have our imperfections. Everybody in here, we all have different opinions. Sometimes the different opinions aren't that significant until it's of a particular issue that maybe we're really concerned about. And we all have different opinions. We all have different personalities. Sometimes personalities clash. That's just the way it is. It's popular. The church is populated with people. God put a wonderful institution of the church here. But it's populated with imperfect people. And so even a strong church like Corinth had some issues from time to time. And so we realized Paul just dealt with the issues. And then from time to time, if, if issues come up in here, you know, we, we can't just panic and think, oh, everything's coming unraveled. We have, we have a, a personality clash or we have an issue. That's just the way it is when you put a lot of people together. It's just that there are different rules to live by when you're in the church than with any other group. Now, let's look at the behavior. We've gone over this before. The behavior is found in verse 21. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others. One is hungry and another drunk. Well, here's how it was from the early days of the church, and you find this in the book of Acts, where they ate their food with gladness from house to house. They broke their bread with gladness from house to house, and everybody shared because you had people who had lost everything because of the cause of Christ. You had people who had no homes, they had no family, they had no job, and they came into the church, and the church took care of its own. And so what they would do is they would eat together with a big meal, and they would call it uh, an agape feast. We call it potluck here because everybody brought their stuff, and everybody would bring their stuff, and they would all put it together and have a, a common meal. Now, of course, the, the uh, issue was that sometimes people who had lost everything, that was, that was the only decent meal they had in the week. And then you had, in the same church, you had servants and their masters. And so you had, of course, the people who had everything and the people who, by their station in life, had nothing. And so the issue was they would come together and they would have this big agape feast, a, a love feast, they would call it, and they would always close with the Lord's Supper. Here's the problem. The problem with this the have-nots were feeling worse after coming to church because what would happen is the wealthy, those who brought a lot of food, they weren't putting it out on the countertop. It says each one takes his supper ahead of the others. What that meant is you had one family or little group of people or faction that had a lot of food, and it says they would eat it up really fast before those people came in. And they would eat up their food really fast before the folks that didn't have anything would come in. Or they would just be over there in their group eating it all up, and the people that had didn't have anything were just standing there watching. They had no food. And these people would just get totally, totally full, and some of them would even get drunk. Now, now there's some misbehavior at the church, wouldn't you think? And so we said he had a, a really problem. And it was always supper. There were three meals of the day for the typical Greek household. And remember, this is a Greek culture. 
There was breakfast, which is a piece of bread. A lot of times they'd be have a piece of bread and they would eat it on the way out of the house. Then you had lunch that was wherever you were. If you were in the field, if you were in the shop, if you were on the, 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 the public square, you just ate uh, lunch there. Supper, it was called de pong. Now, it was to be an unhurried meal with others. It was to be a meal that was shared with others. The household would come, they would sit down, and they would take plenty of time to eat. That was the evening meal. The word supper, as mentioned here, was that meal. It was not just for the purpose of taking in nutrition. It was for the purpose of being with other people. That was the whole purpose of supper in the Greek household and in that culture. And it was the same thing, of course, with the Jewish culture. It was to be enjoyed together. It was meant for togetherness. It was meant for togetherness. And some factions within the church were changing it all up because church was the one place where class differences were abolished when, when it happened like God intended for it to happen. Class differences were abolished. Those that had a lot, those that didn't have any, those that came from powerful families, those that came from, that were slaves, the very weakest, they all came. They all came because everybody, the most important relationship that they shared now is they were all his family, God's family. So class differences didn't matter. Cultural differences didn't matter. Racial differences and economic differences, whatever differences didn't matter because they were all in one family. They all came to eat together. Now, in Corinth, this was exactly the opposite. The differences in the classes were now amplified. And the people that are on the lower end, when they left church, they felt worse than when they came. And it should never be that way unless it's conviction of sin. And the sin that we're convicted of, we need to be feeling bad. But other than that, when we come to worship as a church, as a family, the, the effect should be we, we should leave better than when we came. And if that's not happening, then when obviously it's not happening the way God intended for it to happen. So here's the possibilities. Paul said, I know this is happening, and here two things are going on. First of all, in verse 22, what, don't you have houses to eat and to drink in? In other words, it was total lack of control. If you've got to act this way, if you're going to just overindulge yourself, go do it in private. You don't need to come to church and drag that behavior into church. And what he was saying is, You've either got, number one, a total lack of self-control, or number two, do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? And what we're saying, this is a serious allegation here, you're intentionally shaming those people so you can keep the class differences. And what you're doing is despising, not them, but the church. So both possibilities were bad, but the second one was even worse. He said, you're, you're doing this on purpose. Now, they would have to be the ones to know, but Paul said there's only two things that can be going on, lack of self-control, or you're doing this intentionally. So we had a, a serious issue here, and you say, man, they, they were all messed up. How, how do you ever fix a church like that that's gotten th that wrong? Well, the solution is quite simple. The solution is quite simple. 
And there's where we come to the next paragraph. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Look at those words, in remembrance of me. You know what he did? He said, let's all direct our focus to Jesus Christ. Let's all focus intently on Jesus Christ and him alone. When we do that, our differences in opinion, our differences of personalities, our, our imperfections, all those fade away when we are intently focused on Jesus. In the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant, my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in what? In remembrance of me. Remember me. And then he said this, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he come. So why do we do this? Never did say how often to do this. We do it every quarter, but it's important to do it periodically. And here's the reason why. All of us from time to time need a redirection of our focus. Sometimes it's not factions. Sometimes it's not division. Sometimes it's just the distractions of life, isn't it? It's things that creep in. We, we get busy and we get burdened and we're anxious about things and different problems creep in. We worry about things and we come to church and the intention of church is to redirect our focus on the things that really matter. And so the Lord's Supper provides a periodic refocus. And it's a visible refocus. Look at what Jesus did for us. Look at the cost, the price he paid for us. Now, when we really focus on that, then a lot of the other things just don't matter anymore. Because what's really important is, you know, I'm a blood-bought, saved, forgiven child of the king. Now, when you get to thinking about that kind of love and that kind of, that kind of family, well, it does put things into perspective. I like the, uh, the illustration. We all know that Jesus is the good shepherd, and he speaks of being the good shepherd, and the shepherd knows his sheep. And uh, sheep are a lot like us. In uh, any flock of sheep, uh, you have always a struggle for the dominance of, of who's going to lead the flock. Now, in chickens, we'd call it a, a pecking order. I suppose in sheep, it would be a headbutting order. And they always, there's always this little thing going on, and sheep are always like that. And in addition to that, sheep are real nervous creatures. They are real nervous. And the, the slightest thing will startle them, or a bush rustles wrong and everything, and they're real, they're real flighty. But this is, the, this is the, the interesting thing about sheep. When sheep are out and they're focused on eating grass and then they get focused on each other and who's going to be the top sheep of the herd and then they get worried about the shadows here and there, all the shepherd has to do is to step up and call their name. And then every eye turns toward the shepherd. And when every sheep turns toward the, every single one of them, they're not butting heads anymore. They're not worried about the rustling leaves anymore. They're not concerned about the shadow anymore. 
You see, all he's got to do is get their attention. And when they all look at the shepherd, all of the strife, all of the stress, all of the fear, all of the anxiety goes away because they're looking at the shepherd. And when they're looking at the shepherd, they know whatever happens, it's going to be all right because he cares for them. That's why we do this, to redirect our focus to the shepherd because we need that, don't we? We need that. And with that, I'm going to ask if the gentleman will come who be assisting Brother Jeremy and myself.